name is Tim Harris. I'm pastor here at Woodburn Baptist Church, luckiest man alive. Open your Bibles to the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is in the Old Testament. It's not cheating to use the table of contents, but open your Bible to chapter 12 in Ecclesiastes. We are in a, another one of the messages in the series entitled Summer to Remember. We're taking the passages in Scripture where we are told to remember something that we are probably going to forget and trying to come back to these things and, and anchor our lives around the things that God says make, make most important. Uh, what do you think would be the, the most ideal age to, uh, to, to live? What do you think is the age at which adults are most happy, just, just the peak of satisfaction and happiness in your life? What do you think? What's the best age to be? Somebody said 50? 50? How many 50-year-olds in the, in the house? Yeah? How's 50 treating you, Ryan Hancock? Yeah, yeah, 50 is one thing. Somebody else, what do you think is the best age to be? 19. 19? (laughs) Stephen Hammond says 19. How many think think the younger the better, probably? Younger the better? Yeah, 19. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. A recent study has come out that confirms that age 23 is a pretty good age. There is a certain peak of happiness and satisfaction at the age of 23. However... That's not the absolute peak. Now, after 23, it, it kind of goes up and down. And then the bottom, when do you think adults are, are really least happy? What's the roughest patch? Ryan Hancock, it's early 50s, y'all. Early 50s, according to this survey, early 50s, that's the roughest time. Adults in their early 50s, and this is me, and I'm in a mood, y'all. Just, just back off. It's going to be a while before I pull out of this. Yeah, early 50s uh, is a really rough patch, and that's kind of the bottom. I don't know if it's, you know, midlife crisis. I'm going through menopause. I, I don't know exactly what, what's happening with me right now. But actually, the peak satisfaction, apparently the best age to be is 69. 69. What? Now, who's 69 in this house? Yeah, Freddie Purdue got it made. Look at him back there sitting there all satisfied and happy. Yeah, 60. What's that? You, you, you totally skipped it, WB. Yeah. 69 is, is the very best year. Actually, what they say is from the year 65 to 79 is peak happiness. Now, that's not what I was thinking, y'all. I mean, 65 to 79 is apparently the age you want to be. Y'all believe that? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. If you don't believe it, in the next hour, when we're up in small groups, walk by the adult six room. This is the age group about 65 to 79. They are all retiring grandparents in that room. Now, that room is about the size of a Type 1 Volkswagen Beetle. It's a very small sentence room, but they insist. We've offered them bigger rooms. We've offered them any room in the church that they could be in Arena if they wanted to be. But they choose this tiny room, and they pack in there, y'all. I'm serious. This room is like this big, and they'll put 70 or 80 in there, age 65 to 79, and you can hear the laughter coming down the halls. Those people are having a ball. Now, dementia may be part of it, but that doesn't explain all of it. 
you know, they got patches and medication now, I understand. Um, but obviously, obviously, those people know something we don't know. They know something we don't know. And basically the message comes from Ecclesiastes chapter 12. You got to enjoy life as much as you can for as long as you can. You've got to enjoy life as much as you can for as long as you can. And there is a secret to that that you are likely to forget. I want you to remember. Exodus chapter 12, let's come back to it together. We have a tendency to forget all the things that God wants us to remember. Let's just read Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse 1. Don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your creator. Honor him in your youth before you grow old and say life is not pleasant anymore. Remember him before the light of the sun. Okay, let me stop right here. What follows is one single sentence in Hebrew. The Bible's written in Hebrew. It was one single sentence, and it's a poem. The New Living Translation, I don't, I don't like it at this point because it tries to go too far in interpreting the poem for you. But what happens is the writer of Ecclesiastes is going to compare your body to like an old house that's fallen down. Uh, all right. So, so this is where we go. Verse two, remember him before the light of the sun, moon, and stars is dim to your old eyes and rain clouds continually darken your sky. Remember him before your legs, the guards of your house start to tremble and before your shoulders, the strong men stoop. Remember him before your teeth, your few remaining servants stop grinding and before your eyes, the women looking through the windows see dimly. Remember him before the door to life's opportunities is closed and the sound of work fades. Now you rise at the first chirping of the birds, but then all their sounds will grow faint. Remember him before you become fearful of falling and worry about danger in the streets, before your hair turns white like an almond tree in bloom and you drag along without energy like a dying grasshopper and the caperberry no longer inspires sexual desire. Remember him before you near the grave, you're ever everlasting home when the mourners will weep at your funeral. Yes, remember your creator now while you're young before the silver cord of life snaps and the golden bowl is broken. Don't wait until the water jar is smashed at the spring and the pulley is broken at the well for then the dust will return to the earth and the spirit will return to God who gave it. Well, I've cheered you all up now, obviously. <laughs> Remember your creator while you're still young. Somewhere at my parents' house is a picture, a photograph of my granddaddy law. I never really knew my grandfather law. Uh, I just barely remember when I was a kid. But we have a picture of him, and it's strange for two reasons. First off, in the picture, he's dead. Now, used to people took pictures of dead people. How, how many of you remember that? Uh, used to at a funeral, people brought cameras and they took pictures at the funeral. That almost never happens anymore. I mean, we take selfies everywhere doing everything. You know, Taco Bell, you know, hey, you know, I mean, we're always doing that. But people rarely take pictures at funerals anymore. And that's interesting. It's interesting. My granddaddy law, it's a picture of him in his casket, a close up, you know, selfie. Um, He's dead. Again, and the picture's interesting for that. It's interesting of another thing. The casket's at his house. I mean, 
nobody parks a casket in the living room anymore, but we used to. Do y'all remember that? Does anybody remember that? All you happy 69-year-olds remembering that. Uh, Yeah. It's interesting because it seems that in in times past and generations past, people lived a little bit closer to death. In other words, death was not something that you didn't acknowledge. It wasn't something that you didn't remember. You took pictures at the cemetery. You took pictures at funerals. You took pictures of dead people. And for that matter, you didn't necessarily call professionals to, to dispose of the body for you. You did it at the house. My granddaddy law had a casket, but they put the casket in, in his own living room and people came to his house and visited him there on those last few days of his visitation. Isn't that interesting? Because it's nothing like how we live now. We do nothing like that now. You can even say that, that the culture as it has evolved has become what they often say is, is a death-denying culture. We don't want to talk about death. We don't want to think about death. We do not want to acknowledge that living leads to dying. Our grandparents, our great-grandparents simply acknowledge that as a fact of life, but we don't like to acknowledge that. We, we like to not think about it at all. Keep death as far away from us as you possibly can. And part of that then is, is, is this incredible fascination that our culture has with, with being young. We nearly worship youth. Everything is about being young and staying young and looking young. When I was in seminary, they used to talk about the the graying of the congregation. The idea was as baby boomers age, there'd be more and more older people in the congregation. They called that the graying of the congregation. I'm looking at 300 people and almost no gray hair. How come? Well, see, what they didn't tell us in seminary is all those gray-haired people are not going to go down easily. You know, they're not going to go gray. You know, we got every color of the rainbow now. I mean, you don't have to be gray. You don't have to necessarily get older, look old. I mean, you can get work done now. You know, whatever gravity pulls down, surgery can can fluff back up. You you don't have to get old. You don't have to look old. I I mean, you, you just don't. Hang out at the mall and look who shops at Forever 21. Whole lot of people that ain't going to be 21 forever, but don't tell them because they're not going to understand. We we love youth. We we nearly worship youth. And and honestly, you you could argue that 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 has to do with the basic resistance that we have to one simple fact. We're getting older. And because we're getting older, we're dying. We're all going to to die. And honestly, it's something that you just simply got to remember. You must not imagine that in this life you have all the time in the world. But but this is the illusion that we want to create. This is the, the, the fantasy that you and I create for ourselves. And we hang on to it as long as we can. That, that we're not getting older. And that we're not getting closer to the grave. As a matter of fact, we just like to think that we got all the time in the world. We are forever 21, forever young. It's a dangerous kind of illusion. Because it causes you to forget some things that you really need to remember. You don't have all the time in the world. Which brings us to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. You know how old people always trying to tell kids stuff that the kids are never going to listen to? They're never going to listen to it? Remember eating candy as a kid and your grandma would say, that's going to make your teeth rot out. And I think, so? 
so? I mean, you know? I mean, old people are always telling young people stuff. You know, just all the time telling you stuff. But when you're young, you don't understand it. You don't get it, and you don't even care. You, you just don't care. It just doesn't make any sense because when you're young, there's certain things that you just cannot fathom. You cannot comprehend. So I don't even know why old people try to tell stuff, you know, to young people because young people don't listen. I'm getting to that age. I'm 52. I'm in the low point in my life. And I'm at that place where I just want to walk up to young people and tell them stuff. After I sent my son to college, and y'all, y'all, that wrecked me. I mean, y'all remember, man, I almost need a medication. You know, when I sent my son to college, and I know it's the circle of life and all, but I was ready to hop off that circle. I mean, that was tough. And so now, like at the mall or at the IGA or anywhere you are with kids, I just want to stop you and say, enjoy your kids while you have them at home. Enjoy them. You know, kids don't stay little long. You just got to hang. I mean, I, I want to tell young people that, and sometimes I do. And they just look at me like, shut up, old man. What are you talking? <laughs> they don't get it. You can't tell young people anything. Can we agree about that? They don't listen. So in a way, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, it's, it's an old person talking to a young person. And let's just acknowledge that young person is probably not going to hear it because they don't hear nothing. They don't listen. Don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your creator. Remember your creator while you're still young. It, it, it's just the most important advice And it comes from a perspective of age. It comes from the perspective of a person who didn't necessarily do that. And honestly, whenever an older person would say something like this to a younger person, you're just trying to tell them something that's going to help their life. I can help you avoid a whole lot of mess if you'll just learn to remember your creator now. Learn to know him now. Learn to love him now. Now, when we talk about remembering your creator, it's not just like, oh, yeah, God, or, oh, yeah, I should go to church today. No, we're talking about making your whole life about God. So just remember him in, in the sense that, oh, yeah, you know, I, I believe in God. No, no, no. What the writer is talking about here is something much more important. We're talking about the very foundation that you build your life on. You make your whole life about God now while you still got so much of life ahead. Remember your creator. Creator. In other words, we're talking about the God who has made you. He made you. He, he formed you in your mother's womb. He wrote every page of your life in his book according to Psalm 139. He knows you. And, and his plan, his intention is to bless your life. He created you out of love, out of the overflow of his love. And he sees your whole life from start to finish. And he only wants to just rain down good things on you. He didn't create you for misery. He didn't create you for loneliness. He didn't create you for nothingness. He created you with a plan and with a purpose. And you need to remember him. Remember your creator while you're still young, while your life's still ahead of you. So that you don't miss anything that he has for you. You understand that? His good things for you at every season of life, every day that you live. You need to stick close to him because that's where the blessings come from. You stick close to him because that's where the wisdom comes from. You stick close to him because that's where love comes from and joy and peace and patience and kindness. Everything good comes from him. 
You stay close to him. You want to walk your entire life with him because this is where the good things are. This is where the good path lies. Remember your creator while you're young. And all the old people in the house right now, they're flapping their gums going, that's right, that's right, amen, preach it to the young people. Well, let's stop a second and acknowledge that this is a verse for everybody. This is advice for everybody. Now, you're not as young as you used to be, Papa. Let's just say it up front, Mamma. You're not as young as you used to be. And there are people in this house and people in this world a lot younger than you. But you're never going to be any younger than you are today. Understand? I mean, today is as young as any of us is ever going to be. So this is still a word for you too, old person. This is for you too. Because you're not getting younger. You're, you're getting closer and closer to the end of your life. It doesn't work where you get to just push pause and live like this forever. No, you're getting closer and closer to the end. You must not think that you have all the time in the world. Time runs out. Your time is running out. Well, Brother Tim, you don't understand, man. My time's already all run out, man. It's all run out. My back and my hips. If you have my hips, Pastor Tim, you don't understand how I hurt. I probably don't understand how you hurt. But can I tell you the truth? It's going to hurt worse tomorrow. It may not get better from here. You know, I mean, and this is kind of what the passage does here. It's really kind of... Uh, it, it's a startling kind of poem, and, and I don't know if it cheers you up or, or makes you just want to jump out a window. It, it, it's this whole picture. You ever seen the show, This Old House? Well, this is what the writer here does with, with your body. It's like, a, it's like a horrible episode of This Old House, where he just walks through and compares your body to a house that's fallen in. It, it, it's actually kind of funny until you start living it. It talks about the grinders that are few. What's that? Your teeth popping out. You know, one day my daddy was sitting at the supper table and like a tooth fell out. It's like, what? He's just falling apart. You know, a tooth just fell out of his head. Is that what I've got to look forward to? Man, I'm telling you, my daddy in a pair of shorts, his legs look like a sack of doorknobs. I'm not kidding, y'all. When you get him in Sunday school, ask him to lift up one of his pants legs. Y'all. It's just like. <laughs> and guess what? My legs look like a sack of doorknobs. Man, is, is this what we got to look forward to? I mean, I'm just becoming my dad. I'm just, you know, and I remember his daddy, uh, his grandfather sitting in a nursing home bed when I was a kid. He didn't even have any legs. I mean, I guess a sack of doorknobs is better than nothing, but maybe I'm heading to nothing. I mean, you know, but because this is what it says. Our, our bodies just weren't meant to last forever, and they don't. I mean, it's depressing. I mean, everything is just shutting up and closing down. I mean, your legs give away, your shoulders start start to stoop, your teeth falling out. I mean, it's just horrible. It's just this awful picture of you being blind and deaf and constipated. I mean, and I'm not making that up. That's here too, if you look. I mean, it's awful. I mean, I mean, I mean, IBS, COPD, ED. I mean, you get the whole geriatric trifecta <laughs> right, right here. 
And it's supposed to be a word of wisdom for you. You're supposed to understand this, that you're never going to be any stronger than today. You're never necessarily going to have more health than you have today. You'll never have more time than you have today. And that's the important word. You've got to remember that. You have to remember that because we, we, tend, to, we tend to forget that until it's way too late. And that's why the old man here in Ecclesiastes says, listen to me, young man. Remember your creator now, now, because you don't have all the time in the world. And, and, and what strength and health and energy and opportunity you have today, you can't count on having that tomorrow. Today may be the only day you have. You need to get out there and live today. You have to live. I'm going to say this. Some of you won't like this. God loves courage more than caution. It's one of the themes of this whole passage. Go back into chapter 11 of Ecclesiastes into chapter 12. I mean, he says it over and over and over. Find me one place in the Bible where God rewards somebody who plays it safe. Find me one place in the Bible where God really blesses somebody who never takes a chance, who never just takes a leap, who never jumps out there. Show me one place where God blesses a man who wears suspenders and belts at the same time. I mean, that's us. We playing it safe. We always got a backup. I mean, we're not taking any chances. But you can't live your life that way. God loves courage more than caution. You can't always be so careful. You can't always wait for the perfect time because it may not ever be more perfect than today. You're married and you're waiting for the perfect moment to have kids. There is no perfect moment to have kids. And when you have kids, it ruins everything. <laughs> There's no perfect moment. You're not going to have more money. I mean, some of you want to go back to school, but you're waiting until it's going to get easier. It never gets easier to go back to school. It gets harder and more expensive. You may have to just go now. God loves courage more than caution. As some of you continue to wait and wait, and you can't wait your whole life to live. I mean, sometimes you just got to you know, pick up the phone and call the girl. Sometimes you just have to say yes to the opportunity because you don't know if the opportunity will be there for you tomorrow. Sometimes you just have to pack up and move across the country because you got to find out what happens when you do. Sometimes you just have to take the leap. You got to write the check. You got to say yes. I mean, sometimes you got to plant the church. You got to quit the job. You got to do whatever you got to do to find out what God put in you, to find out what God has for you. It takes courage to live life. And some of you keep thinking, oh, man, I'm going to start that tomorrow. I'm going I'm to get past the 4th of July, then I'm really going to live. No, no. You have no idea what, what's going to be on the other side of the 4th of July. You've only got now. You need to remember that. You've got to know that. Other day, my wife was cleaning out our refrigerator. Y'all ever do that? I don't even recommend it. You know, like those little Tupperware containers are in the back on the bottom and you haven't opened in forever? Leave them. Leave them. There's nothing good in there. So this is what Casey's doing because Casey just loves, you know, disaster. Casey opens the fridge, starts going through the doors and looking at our salad dressing. We have 16 bottles of salad dressing. From the 80s. I know this because every bottle has a date stamped on the side and it says what? 
Best if used by. Best if used by. Best if used by. June 1996. You know? Best if used by. The idea is that this stuff may not kill you now. In the case she's going through there, you know, opening things, sniffing for botulism. But it may not kill you. It's probably not going to be as good. You know, it's not supposed to be separated in the bottle. You, you, you know, the, the, there's, a, there's an optimal time for, the, for these things. And, and, and you're wise to use them while they're good and then dispose of them when, the, when, when they're expired. And, and it could be that your life is like that. Maybe it's best if you allow God to use you b- b- before it's way too late. Let him use you now. Let him use you while you still have so much of your life ahead. Let him use you, use you now while you still have courage and passion and a desire to change the world. Let him use you now. On big days around here at church, we uh, rent out those big inflatables, you know what I'm talking about? Like the big bouncy houses, the, you know, the moon bounce, and the kids take off their shoes, and they, they go in there and jump. Yeah, y'all seen those? Y'all know about those? Uh, they're fun. You should do it. I, I like to stand at the door. I love the kids for one thing, and, and, and plus lots of times y'all are eating, and somebody needs to stand at the door with the kids. So I, I like to stand there when I can, and I'm the one that tells the kids to take off their shoes, and, and, and they get in the, in, in the moon bounce or whatever, the, the bouncy house. And it's funny because the littlest ones, sometimes they've never seen anything like that. You know, so they take off their shoes, which is scary, and then they kind of you know, stand and look, and I'll just kind of pitch them in, and, and then they just... <laughs> They'll lay there on the belly for the longest time. It's like, lay there. And every other kid, you know, just like jumping like orangutans, you know, just jumping. And you'll have a kid or two that's just like. <laughs> and then in a minute, they're like. Just like barely doing it, y'all, because it feels dangerous. I mean, if you're not used to it, it feels dangerous. I mean, kids cracking skulls, it probably is dangerous, but, you know, some kids are like, you know. You know, for the longest time, I say, hey, kids, just jump. Jump. You know, but they don't. But then in a minute, see, part of my job is, is to keep the timer. And so after a minute, I put my head in the door and I say, three more minutes. Three more minutes. What happens when I say three more minutes? And at that point, man, every kid in the bouncy house is doing flips and jumping and rolling and backflips and landing on their head and rolling and screaming and laughing. Three more minutes. That's all it takes. Three more minutes. And all of a sudden, everything in that bouncy house just goes crazy. Every kid is laughing. Every kid is, you know, losing teeth and bleeding. You know, I mean, every kid is just jumping. It's awesome. And then I say, okay, everybody out. It's like, oh, that amazing. Because for the longest time, they're, you know, just sort of. And, and then somebody just says, three more minutes. And then they understand. Better jump now. Better laugh now, you know. The, the point is. You never really know the sweetness of life if you fail to acknowledge its shortness. Life's good, you all. I mean, 
Don't you just agree that life is so good? Don't you just love it? I, I know some of you have lost. I, I know some of you are struggling, but, but is there anything in the world that has ever happened to you th- th- that, that could possibly make you for, forget that life is just so sweet, it's just so good? To wake up this morning and open your eyes and see the entire world just blanketed in that fog. Was that not the most beautiful thing? Yesterday, the storm, the rain, the hail. It's it's, it's scary. It's it's, it's destructive. But isn't there just something awesomely beautiful about that? That that black sky, the rainbow. Amazing. You, You held a baby lately? Just take a little one in your hands, and, and if you're ever brave enough, just take your finger and rub it across that velvet smoothness of their soft spot. You know the soft spot on the top of their head? Just feel that. It's amazing. Wow, and the, the babies, they just grow. They grow so quickly. I mean, it's hard to keep up with how fast everything moves and, and life just moves. I mean, this summer is so beautiful. The corn is taller than I am. And we have 30 trillion baby rabbits at my house right now. Do you, I mean, you guys got baby rabbits everywhere? Just in and out of the corn. I'm, I'm trying to run in the mornings, and I'm trying not to step on baby rabbits. It's, it's amazing. It's beautiful. Where do I live? The other day, we looked out our door. There's a bobcat in our front yard, a bobcat, y'all. I mean, where, where do we even live? It's amazing. It's beautiful. I hope she has kittens in our treehouse. Life is just so Good. Yesterday, Teddy Martin walked down this aisle and gave his daughter away. And you know, he looked so happy and miserable at the same time. <laughs> he looked like he'd swallowed a bumblebee because he was just like, <laughs> you know, trying not to cry. Oh. And I was up here doing the same thing, <laughs> trying not to cry. Oh, just the most beautiful moment. When did Sarah Martin become such a beautiful woman? I remember when she was doing pictures with magic markers in Sunday school, and she's just grown. I mean, your life is just so sweet, but it's just so short. You don't have all the time in the world. So every now and then, you need somebody to sort of stick their face in front of you and go, three more minutes. You know what I mean? Somebody just to, just to shout in your direction, you, you know, three more minutes. Time is running out for you. Time is running out for me. We have no idea how much time we have left, but but I'm telling you, the the moments are ticking, and you don't know how much time you have, so you just better live. You better enjoy this, and, and you better learn to know and love God now. I mean, today. Because you don't want to miss anything that he has for you today. And you certainly don't want to miss eternity with him. So, so today may be all you get. I mean, I mean, today, three more minutes, kid. I mean, somebody needs to say that. Shout it in your face. Three more minutes. Are you listening? What if this were... Your last day. What would you do knowing that? Who would you want to spend it with? Who would you need to say some things to? I bet you'd want to find some people to say, I'm sorry 
or I forgive you, or I love you, wouldn't you? I bet there'd be people you just want to be with and not say anything at all. I mean, just hold them close and, and, and be there. Well, what if somehow you knew this is your last church service? I preach funerals all the time, you all. And we don't ever know at, at which Sunday it'll be your last time here. The next time I preach, it could be your funeral. Do you understand that? Because you need to understand that. This could be your very last church service. Your last Sunday, doesn't matter how old you are. This could be your very last invitation. Last chance to respond to the God who made you, your creator. Your last chance to remember him. What if this really were your last day? Because here's the truest thing I know how to tell you. You don't know that it's not. And you need to remember that. Pray with me. God, you are the giver of life. And you are the maker of all of us, our creator. You and you alone have the pages of our lives somehow recorded beforehand in your book. You see it all. You know it from start to finish. And your intention from the very beginning has been that we might live lives of abundance and blessing. But God, we miss a lot of that. We miss a lot of that because we wait too long to remember you. We, we wait too long to make you the center and the focus of our lives. We just wait too long for everything, God. We're always waiting for another day, a, a better day, a future day when somehow everything is in place, when we have more money, when we feel like we have more time, when we feel like we have better health. We wait, Lord. We, we, we wait for opportunities, Lord. We wait for insurance. We wait somehow for more signs that the time is right. And Lord, the horrible tragedy of it all is that some of us have been waiting our entire lives and have done nothing. Nothing that was courageous, nothing that would require faith, nothing that would make our hearts beat faster, Lord, nothing that would make life worth living, Lord. We just continue to wait so carefully, so timidly, and you have not created us for this. You've given us breath in our lungs, and you've given us strength in our bones, and you've given us this day, Lord, this day, which is one of the greatest gifts of all, Lord, this day to live, to choose, to remember you. So God, help us to remember that life is brief and time is short and that bodies waste away, Lord. Help us to remember, Lord, that it doesn't matter how young or how old, Lord, you have made us and you know how to direct our feet onto the best path. So Lord Jesus, today of all days, make us to remember you, to acknowledge you, to come back to you. Lord, Lord, forbid it be so, but there may be somebody in this house today, somebody in the cafe, and it is their last Sunday with us. It's maybe last day to live, Lord. I, 
I pray, Lord, that not a single one of us steps out into eternity without being prepared, without remembering, Lord, the invitation you've given us for salvation. Let not one of us walk out of this place. Let not one of us let this day pass by, Lord, without knowing that we have made our peace with you through Christ. Lord, let not one of us waste this day. It is a gift. Let not one of us waste our lives. It is a gift. Help us, Lord, to live and move and have all of our being in you, O Christ, our maker, in whose name we pray.